in a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. A shot on Elo. Good! The Bulls win! You know what time it is. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic. Sports Hour. This is Mitch Moe. And this is Dallin. Guys, welcome on in. So good to be here with you for episode 192 of the Sports Hour. We are recording this on a Wednesday, the final day of January, Mitch. Uh, I, I don't know if it's just you guys listening at home. I feel like as we get older, every month just goes by so much faster. I'm like, it's already oh February. Like, what the hell happened? It was just it, the new year. It goes by so freaking fast, dude. I was just thinking about that, you know, today when you know, I was you know, looking through finances and what bills need to be paid. And I'm like, holy crap, I got to pay that bill again already. It just stuck <laughs> right up on you so fast. But you know what, man? It, it's it's time's flying by because we're having fun living life. And that's what's going on here, I think. So, Amen. I agree. I agree. And it's been a good month. Of football, good month of sports for us in January, and uh, you're listening to this in February. We're recording this on the 31st, but you're listening to this uh, probably on February 1st. If you know, if you're a loyal listener, you're you're putting this on uh, when we go when it goes live. I mean, who are we kidding? You're not wasting any time. You're here with us, and we appreciate you. Um, and uh, yeah, February is going to be a great month as well, Mitch, because the Super Bowl is upon us. Conference championship weekend is past. We have our Super Bowl matchup. We will dig into the conference championship weekend that was and the two fantastic games that we had in the AFC and NFC. And uh, at the end of the podcast, too, we'll do a little bit of a tease on the Super Bowl matchup. Not a ton because... You know, you'll have to stick around for next week for the full Super Bowl preview. But uh, we'll give you a little tease on this Super Bowl matchup and some of the the storylines we're interested in. But uh, great week of football. I mean, we talked about wildcard weekend being a disappointment, but the playoffs have delivered ever since. And this weekend was, uh, was fantastic. Two games. Yeah. I mean, what a great weekend of football. The two games that we got were fantastic. I was driving home. Um, from Eureka, uh, visiting my mother-in-law, future mother-in-law. Um, and so we missed the AFC championship game, but we had updates that shout out to my fiance for keeping the updates on her phone as we were driving <laughs> back on highway 299, trying to get back as quick as we could because she's a diehard Niners fan. And we made it back with literally a couple minutes to spare before kickoff and got to see that NFC championship game. What a blast that was. Um, we'll dive into that. Um, it's just. It, football's so good right now. And we we get so excited about the, the beginning of football. 
and how much football we get at one time. Mm-hmm. But like when you get the quality of football that you get, even if it's in small packages, that's just as satisfying for a football fan. And I think you can uh, definitely uh, relate to that, Dallin. And I think the listeners can all relate to that. When you get good quality football, even when it's in small packages, just as satisfying as uh, having a whole plethora right in front of you. Oh, yeah. You get the best teams battling it out in the playoffs uh, and the conference championship game. Two great matchups to determine who will uh, take the field in Las Vegas here in a few weeks uh, for Super Bowl 58. Um, Before we get into that, we'll do that in the first half of the podcast. We do want to hit on a bit of news, Mitch, because we've been covering the head coaching openings in the NFL. We started the offseason with eight head coaching availabilities, a quarter of the league looking for new head coaches and we're down to one opening left with the news that we got today. Yeah. Yeah. The, the big signing of the day um, goes to Seattle. Seattle is going to take former Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator, uh, Mike McDonald to be their next head coach, giving him a six year contract. Um, McDonald only 36 years old is going to become the youngest head coach in the NFL. Um, and replaces, quite ironically, the oldest head coach in the NFL, at <laughs> Pete Carroll. So uh, quite the reset for Seattle. Um, but when we look at this hire um, in a box, really, um, this seems like a the right fit for Seattle. Um, all those dominant years of defense um, with the Legion of Boom under Pete, under Pete Carroll, uh, Mike McDonald, a defensive-minded guy, um, a young core on the defensive side of the football. This seems like a very, very good fit for Seattle. Um, and one that I think is, is um, you know, they're out. They're obviously going to have to ride this out for a little bit. You just gave him a six-year contract. You can't fire him after one year, right? Can't eat all that money. So they're going to have to ride out Mike McDonald. And I think that they have a plan in place. Um, with Coach McDonald there, I thought I thought this was a very solid hire by the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, I tweeted today is a massive W for Seattle. This is a guy that was highly coveted uh, by many of these teams that had head coaching openings. Highly coveted by me. Um, you know, I I I've been vocal that you know I preferred an offensive coach for Carolina, but if we did not go offensive coach route, this was the guy I wanted. Uh, and he has been on a meteoric rise among the NFL ranks, spent seven seasons going back to 2014 with the Baltimore Ravens, uh, started as a coaching intern in 2014, worked his way into a, a defensive backs coach, linebackers coach, goes to Michigan to replaces one Harbaugh with another Harbaugh, joins the gym at Michigan in 2021, was the defensive coordinator there the first year that they made uh, a college football playoff run. And then comes back to Baltimore for the last two years as the defensive coordinator has been instrumental in this uh, Ravens dominance, especially this year on the defensive side. And after only three years as a coordinator, now gets the opportunity as the head coach, literally half the age of Pete Carroll, Uh, Pete Carroll, 72, this guy, 36 years old. I mean, just you can't. Not that they're polar opposite, uh, you know, personality wise. I don't know about that, but polar opposites in terms of sides of the spectrum <laughs> when you're going from Pete Carroll uh, to Mike McDonald. But I my first thought, Mitch, 
when I saw this news. My first thought was, wow, if you're Reek Wolin, Devon Witherspoon, uh, some of the young edge rushers they have, Jordan Brooks at linebacker, like, holy smokes, do I feel that much better about where the Seahawks are going and the projection of those young defensive players. Because we saw what he was able to get out of the talent that they had in Baltimore. They had a lot of talent. But even young guys, we saw Kyle Hamilton emerge this year as an all-pro in his second season. Finally, you know, a, a defensive coordinator that had a role in mind for this 6'4", versatile Kyle Hamilton, which by all did that guy fall in the draft. I mean, it's like we people overthink it. The NFL's too uncreative, Mitch. We're like, he can't drop back in coverage, so we can't use him. Mike McDaniel found Mike McDonald found a way, right? Uh, he used the crap out of Kyle Hamilton. He was an all pro this year. When you're talking about those corners on the outside and the talent they have there along the defensive front, which Seattle still needs to build on that defense. And I think they will in this draft, but the potential is there. And a guy like Mike McDonald being in charge of that, empowering those young players, putting them in the correct positions to succeed. If I'm a Seahawks fan, I'm ecstatic about this, especially for the development of those young players. He is a young coach who is very inexperienced, only three years as a coordinator. You trust him with the defense. A huge part of this is going to be the staff he brings in on the offensive side of the football. Can he bring in some experience on the offensive side? Can you bring in somebody that gives you confidence that they can own the offense for Seattle, which has its great share of young weapons as well. Uh, but I think this is a slam dunk hire. I, I would be elated if I was any team that got Mike McDonald in this cycle. Uh, Seattle nabbed a big one. Yeah, I mean, a huge hire. And, you know, I, I think what, what really sticks out to me is the free agents that are going to be on that Ravens defense that could potentially follow him over there. Mm, I love um, that. We talked about Woolen and Witherspoon and Julian Love um, had a great, a great year. Um, we also we also have to keep in mind that Patrick Queen and Justin Matabuke are also mm. free agents. Matabuke broke out this year with 13 sacks. Patrick Queen yeah. became a leader of that Ravens defense. If they really like playing for Mike McDonald and they can find the right price tag. Now, Patrick Queen might be a little bit too expensive for the Seahawks to go out and get. But if they can work out a short-term deal and restructure some other things to maybe offer him another long-term deal, if Mike McDonald, Mike McDonald works out and he stays there, they could build that defense very, very quickly. They get the front four guy in Justin Matabuke, and they bring in a good second-level guy in Patrick Queen. I mean, this could change around really, really quick if those guys want to go continue to play for Mike McDaniel. So um, the possibilities are there, but I think – regardless of who they could possibly potentially go get slam dunk um, for the Seattle Seahawks. Um, I think the right guy for the job. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how he, how he builds this team um, moving forward because they're kind of in that weird limbo phase of like, they don't really need a rebuild, but they need to build more. Mm -hmm. So um, it, it's going to be interesting to see what Mike McDonald does uh, moving forward in his new role in Seattle. Yeah, nine and eight, the last two seasons for Seattle, made the playoffs in 2022, missed out in 2023 by tiebreaker with Green Bay. So a team that is right there, playoff competitive, has pieces you can build around on offense and defense. But like you said, they're just missing a few more pieces. Maybe it's just experience. 
from some of these young players on offensive defense. But I do think it is, you know, I love that you mentioned Matt Abike because interior push presence is like exactly what this team needs. And Mm -hmm. boy, would he fit that perfectly. So I love, I love where your brain is going there. So (laughs) yeah, I think a lot of potential here. Again, if I was a Seahawks fan listening to this, I'd be very excited of the prospect of Mike McDonald there uh, in Seattle and the transition between him, Pete Carroll, to Mike McDonald, I, I feel very bullish on. So uh, we gave letter grades for the other hirings. If you gave this a letter grade, what would you give it? I think this might be the best hire we've seen. I mean, as far as fit, as far as direction of the team, I think even more so than Harbaugh to the Chargers, I'm going to give this an A+. I wow. really, I, I really there it love, is. love, love this hire. Um, I think this just, this feels so Seattle too. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, this feels like what they would want, what they'd be looking for. Um, and it it just feels like a perfect fit for me, a perfect marriage. Now time will tell, but, um, it certainly feels like a perfect marriage to me in Seattle. So I'm going to go with the a plus grading for, uh, the Mike, Mike McDonald hire. The coveted a plus from Mitch Mo. We didn't think we'd see it. Uh, well done Seahawks. You got it. Uh, I'm with you though. I like, I, like I said, this is a guy that I coveted as the, the top defensive coach available, uh, for these head coaching opportunities and credit to Seattle for staying patient. You know, they could have just hired Dan Quinn a couple weeks ago and we, I would have been very happy with that. I think that could have been a good hire. Like it would have been a very reasonable. It's a name that we talked about. They could have gone in a number of different directions, but they stayed patient to seek after the best talent and the best talent was still in the playoffs, still unavailable to be hired. Right. I mean, the lions assistants were heavily coveted. The Ravens assistants were heavily coveted. Now those teams are out, they get their opportunity and they get their guys. So I'm with you a plus, uh, for me on the Seattle hire of Mike McDonald that leaves one coaching availability left. Mitch is the Washington commanders, uh, who will look to fill their seat probably this week. I would guess, um, One thing to note with this, Ben Johnson, the other highly sought after coordinator in this process, the OC for Detroit, uh, had uh, it was announced or reported a couple days ago that he uh, basically took his name out of the running, said, you know what? I, I believe Washington was in flight to go interview him and D.C. Aaron Glenn in Detroit. And he said, you know. Thanks, but no thanks. Uh, I I am going to stick in Detroit. And listen, that's a huge win for the Lions. I mean, that's probably the best news they could have got all offseason was keeping Ben Johnson around for another run at this thing next year. Uh, but uh, Ben Johnson, who was it, it reported to be like the lock for that Washington job, not going to be an option. So it kind of leaves a handful of potential players left in this. Uh, you know, you've got Aaron Glenn, the DC from Detroit, who did get an interview with them. Uh, Dan Quinn, uh, who I mentioned previously, though he was seen at senior bowl and things like that with the Cowboys scouting prospects. So seems like he's more likely to return to Dallas. Mike Vrabel, Mitch is still out there and available. A head coach with a lot of experience. I got canned from Tennessee this year that had a lot of people shaking their heads. Uh, you know, nobody's hired him back. So uh, to me, it kind of feels like Vrabel has to be the guy. Uh, I don't know who else you'd feel most confident in at this point. If you're Washington, do you have any thoughts on that or or who you would be targeting if you were uh, the commanders? I mean, Bobby Slowick's still out there. Um, 
I don't know if that seems like a great fit to me. Bobby Slowick in Washington. Um, I think he's better off staying where he's at. Um, Vrabel can't go back down. I, I, th- I think Vrabel's going to take a head coaching job or a head coaching job somewhere. So I think you're probably spot on. Um, this does not feel like a Belichick type of fit with Washington. Um, it, it, there's honestly they they they've run out of options. They've run out of options. Um, and I think that Mike Vrabel is probably their best bet to bring in here. So um, let's uh, pump the brakes on Bobby Slowick, pump the brakes on um, on uh, uh, Bill Belichick, pump the brakes on really anyone else other than Mike Vrabel. This seems like uh, probably his job for the taking uh, if he wants it, if Washington reaches out to him. Yeah, it seems like it at this point, just because, again, you know, there a lot of the options are already off the table and the coordinators that were being interviewed are seemingly returning back to where, uh, you know, they they have had their jobs, you know, guys like Ben Johnson. Um, so I am curious to see who else they're going to be able to, you know, snag. Like, do, do they end up, uh, you know, just elevating Eric Bieniemy? Right. Who's been the OC there uh, and was a head coach in waiting seemingly in Kansas City for so many years. And then for whatever reason, fell out of favor uh, in the coaching cycles. Does he just end up as the the head coach because there's no other options? That will be something to watch here in the next little bit. And I would suspect within the next week, uh, by the time we do our Super Bowl preview that uh, Washington, I mean, they can't wait much longer. Right. They got to hire somebody. So I I would expect that we see news on that here pretty soon. Yeah. It's so funny because like. The, the the off season for the NFL is so long, but you can't wait on a head coaching hire. Like you have to get it now because preparation starts now. Like basically mm-hmm. the week after the Super Bowl, it's go time. Like we we got to start prepping for the next year. You got the draft coming up, and you got all these different things. So you know they they can't wait too much longer. So um, I, I I think you're right that you know the elevation of Eric Bieniemy makes sense. Uh, I've been you and I both have been an advocate of his um, to be a, to get in a head coaching role. Um, you know, and so, you know, this seems like a, a perfect opportunity for him, but you know, I would say either him or Vrabel is going to be the yeah. ones taking that role. So those seem the two like most likely to me at this moment. And again, we'll see. I mean, uh, uh, you never know <laughs> how things will shake out, but uh, hopefully we'll, We'll get some uh, news on that here in the future, the the near future. Yes, absolutely. Um, Dallin, moving on from the head coaching news in the NFL, let's stay in the NFL. Let's go to our conference championship weekend or uh, recap two games this last week, AFC, NFC championship game. Let's start in the AFC, the Kansas City Chiefs. They're back again. They're back again. Uh, Dallin, let me ask you something. I, I, a little trivia for you. And I'm going to be, I'm going to get fact-checked on this, but I'm pretty positive this is it. When was the last time that the Chiefs or the Patriots weren't in an AFC championship game? Mm. 
Uh, I'm going to say year, it has to be like year before the Harbaugh Bowl, so like 2010. Is that too far back? Let's look at this because I'm pretty sure. No, maybe I'm, 2011 because the Patriots were in the 2011 Super Bowl, if my memory serves me right. That was the other Giants Super Bowl. So I'm going to say 20, the 2011 season. No, this was 2012, Dallin. 2012. 2012. Okay. Um, this is this is this is getting ridiculous. Like, look, I I understand that like we should appreciate dynasties, but I don't know if there was one as unlikable as the Kansas City Chiefs for me. <laughs> really? I don't know. I I just I. I think there's too many off the field distractions that like, like I'm not one of those guys that like is getting all, you know, arms up in the air about Taylor Swift getting on the screen or Brittany Mahomes getting on the screen. Like, I really don't care, but there's so, just something about the chiefs that makes me dislike them as much as I do about the Patriots. And maybe that's because they win too much. Maybe because it's that they're always there, but they're 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 in the super bowl again. They get the job done. 17-10 over the Ravens. Um, down a game where it seemed like offensively the Ravens just never got anything going. This Chiefs defense that we've praised uh, for stepping up all year long, stepped up again in a big way, um, contained Lamar Jackson, contained the weapons that he had around him, um, and the Chiefs go out and they just get the damn thing done. Yeah, you know, Mitch, I think it goes back to that great line uh, from The Dark Knight. You either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And that's exactly what's happened with the Kansas City Chiefs. Because remember the first year they made an AFC Championship game. And they were taking on Tom Brady and the Patriots. We were excited. And guess who we were all rooting for in that game? Please. Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs, this is fun. They, they haven't, you know, won a Super Bowl since the Super Bowl started. Like, they, you know, we're tired of the Patriots. Give us Kansas City. And here we are six years later, six straight AFC championship games. And we're like, we hate you. Get the hell out of here. Give us something new. It's exactly what happened uh, with the Golden State Warriors. In the NBA, right? When they started that run in 2014, 2015, they were fun, exciting. People, oh, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond. Oh, this is awesome. This They're so likable. We, we love this. And then a few years later, it's like, can you stop making finals? Can you get the hell out of here? We want something different. It's just what happens. And it's a credit to their greatness. The fact that they're there and they've made us hate us hate them after all these years because they won't go away. And that's what it feels like is Patrick Mahomes and this Kansas City Chiefs team will not go away. I mean, this year of all years, we thought it's finally happening. The wide receivers are shit. They can't catch a ball. They can't catch a break. Uh, things are off in Kansas City. And this is finally going to be the year that it doesn't happen for the Chiefs. And maybe they don't even make the AFC Championship game, right? That's how it felt halfway through the season. And yet here we are on January 31st talking about another Super Bowl for the Chiefs, a fourth Super Bowl appearance in six years for Kansas City, for Patrick Mahomes. It's incredible. And 
when we talk about this game, uh, in a lot of ways, it kind of felt like Kansas City flipped the script on what they did in Buffalo. We talked about that Buffalo matchup and how much Buffalo controlled the ball and just kept kept Mahomes off the field. And when Mahomes is on the field and the Chiefs were on the field, they were scoring and they were moving the ball at a high pace. But ball control in the game was huge for Buffalo. It was a large part of why they had a shot in this game. Kansas City absolutely controlled this game, controlled the ball. And I think after the game, I, I think it's easy to look at that game and say the Ravens, they scored 10 points. The offense was bad. I don't think it was that bad. They moved the ball pretty well in this game for the most part. Uh, they had drives that got into the Kansas City territory, that got into the red zone. The issue for Baltimore was that they made costly mistakes when it mattered most, and they couldn't finish a drive. Despite the fact that they'd get inside Kansas City's 30-yard line, they could not finish a drive, they could not find the end zone, and they had costly turnovers. Three turnovers in this game, zero turnovers for Kansas City. The Zay Flowers uh, fumble at the goal line, reaching out for the touchdown, right? That's a touchdown. If he doesn't reach out, he holds it. They get to the one they score on that drive, right? Easy. I mean, there's no question they score a touchdown on that drive if he doesn't reach out and fumble it, but he fumbles it, right? You had too many opportunities where they just shot themselves in the foot. They were the sloppier team. They had eight penalties in this game for 95 yards, only three penalties on the Chiefs. And despite the fact that they had more total yards in less total plays than Kansas City in this one, they just could not make the right play when it mattered. And I think the biggest difference for me in this game was just it looked like Kansas City knew what it was doing, had been there before, and didn't panic. And frankly, it felt like after Kansas City jumped out to an early lead that Baltimore as a team, both coaching staff and players, Lamar Jackson included, they panicked and they kind of got away from what they did so well. How did they not run Gus Edwards more in this game? How did they not run the ball at all in this game? After the first quarter, when they went down early, like there was so much time left in this game, but yet because they were losing, all of a sudden the game plan went out the window and Lamar's got to drop back and pass every play. Well, that's going to make it really easy for Kansas City if that's the case. And so it was just Kansas City dominant, stuck to their game plan, executed it perfectly at the highest level, and Baltimore just didn't make the right decisions when it mattered. I mean, this is a touchdown game. They had plenty of opportunities to reach that touch 17 points to even surpass it. They couldn't make plays when it mattered most, and maybe that's due to inexperience. Maybe it's just they're not as good as Kansas City. I don't know, but uh, – Kansas City played a perfect game, really. I mean, across the board. They handled their business like a team that's been there before because they have, and now they're in the Super Bowl yet again. Yeah, I mean, as we talk through it, you know, experience plays such a big role in this one. I mean, Baltimore's just, they as a unit, they have not been there that much. Kansas City has had changes on their roster, but darn it, the core has been together through this before a lot. And, you know, it, it definitely showed. Um, the penalties are huge. I mean, eight to three in favor of the Kansas City Chiefs, um, you know, 
keeping the mistakes to a minimum. The the turnovers, turnovers will absolutely lose you games. Um, time of possession, they really with any sort of other metric outside of like outgaining, you know, outgaining the other team, and you look at these other different metrics. Uh, the Chiefs dominated in all of them. They dominated in all of them. Time of possession, turnovers, and penalties. Um, and really, when you, I guess when you look, when you boil it down, if you look at those three metrics, more often than not, the team that has the advantage in those three, they often get the job done. Um, and Kansas City took took advantage of that and got job got the job done in Baltimore uh, this weekend. Yeah, you know, I saw this stat uh, earlier uh, this week that when Baltimore was trailing in this game by 10 points, it was the first time that they had trailed in a game by 10 points in over a year. They had not trailed by 10 points in a game in over a year. I mean, it just goes to show how dominant they were, but it very much felt like they didn't know what to do (laughs) down 10 points in a game. It was like, we don't know what to do now. And, And I mean, offensively. Because the defense was really good in this game. I mean, Kansas City attempted and ran the ball a lot. Really didn't get much to show for it. I think they averaged under three yards a carry in this one. And the defense, especially after that first quarter, that Ravens defense really tightened up and didn't. I mean, Kansas City only scored 17 in this thing, despite being, you know, in control this whole game. And yet. It was the Ravens offense that fell short. And, you know, I think I think Lamar clearly did not play his best game of the season. Right. I don't think he was outright awful. I know a lot of people I've seen some people, you know, uh, throw that out there that Lamar lost them the game or Lamar was awful in this. I don't think that was the case. I don't think he was good. I think the play calling was not in his in his favor. Uh, they didn't call designed quarterbacks run for him. They didn't give him any run game in support. Uh, I mean, he had half the carries for the team in that game and they were playing the 28th ranked run defense and they had success when they did run the ball with Gus Edwards and other players. So why would you not try to tap into that at some point? Uh, and he was just put in a position where ultimately it didn't happen. And, and again, I, you know, it's why we love the playoffs, right? Because you can point at a handful of moments that make or break a game. And I go back to that Zay Flowers fumble at the goal line. If he scores that touchdown, if he doesn't reach out and fumble the ball and he keeps it, they go to the one, they score a touchdown on that, uh, you know, the next few plays. We're talking about a different game. And maybe they're able to pull that one off. But, right, but that's, he, that's the playoffs, right? That's but, Those uh, moments matter. And you've got to make the plays when it matters. Baltimore didn't in this game time and time again, they failed to make the big plays when they needed it, but you can't blame Zay flowers for trying to get that touchdown. No, like, I, no, listen, I'm, I'm not one. Yeah. You gotta, you know, in the moment you're driving for the end zone, right? That's what you're taught to do. You go for the score. Right. Uh, it just, Legarius need made an incredible punch on that ball. I mean, really the credit needs to go to Legarius need for the absolute play that he put on that football to knock it out 
before his knee touched, before he crosses the goal line. Uh, and then we have the controversial rule that everyone wants to talk about now, where if the ball goes into the end zone, the other team gets it at the 20, which people now want to get rid of. I, I don't know if I have Let's, a feeling uh, on that. I, you I, know, I, but, I got one. I got one. I got one. Let's get this out of the way. Stop with the silliness. We, 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 we cater so much to the offense. Can't we just let the defense have this one rule? It's a great point. Let him have it. Yeah. Let him have it. Don't fumble the football near the goal line. Like it, it, it's such a monumental play. Like if you do fumble the ball across the goal line, it goes out of bounds and it's a touchback or it's recovering the, you know, the end zone by the defense. It's a touchback. Let it happen. We can't, we can't keep catering to offense here. We're, we're not going to let this be an offensive league. It has to be two sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. It has to be two sides of the ball. Sorry. Yeah. And I think that's I, I, totally I to fair. That, I had to get that off my chest, but yeah, no. And I appreciate that. Cause I think that's totally fair. And at the end of the day, I think that's where it's not even, I don't want it to come across as blame from my side of this. It's just that those are the moments in the game that matter, right? There's a handful of plays that all these playoff games come down to, and you either make the play on that or you don't. And if you don't, you're going to lose. And well, that was just a moment in that game that Kansas City made a play, Baltimore did not, and that was part of the reason why they don't pull this one off. And that's that's the margins are tight. That's how it goes in the AFC Championship. And, I, and, and I don't think I don't think it would have come up had it not happened two weeks in a row. Like right, right. It, had it had it happened one week and not the other, then like this wouldn't have come up. But it happened two weeks in a row, and so people are obviously going to talk about it. And that's yeah. fine and dandy. People should be able to talk about it. Voice your opinion. Your opinion's wrong. It should still be, it should still be held the way that it has always been, um, with it being a touchback. But you know, that's my two cents on that one. So, um, I, I've been harboring. If you couldn't tell, I've been harboring that one for for a second here. I, I've been harboring that opinion for a minute. But yeah, um, yeah. No, I think it's a great point. Like again, it's a balanced league. It's all. It's more catered offense more than anything. So having this dagger that can kill an offense because you make a mistake, that's that's the roll of the dice. That's how the yeah. game is played. You got to deal with it. And, you know, we'll talk maybe more a little about Kansas City at the end. As far as for Baltimore, I, I you know, I, I think that this is a team that is still like, I didn't see this as a Super Bowl team, a Super Bowl champion in the beginning of the season because it feels like there's still more that can be had out of this team. Yes. And the fact that they got to the AFC championship game and came one score away from beating the chiefs just means like they are on that path to maybe matching them here in the near future. Lamar is going to win his second MVP. They just added a rookie in Zay flowers who, I mean, we saw him in this game. Absolute electric. He is twitch on wheels. Like he is exactly what this offense needs, but they still need more outside of him. You know, it can't just be Mark Andrews and Zay Flowers. Like, they still need more. They still need a consistent running game, which they have not had for basically Lamar's entire career there outside of himself, right? The defense is fantastic. It will remain fantastic. But there's still more that this offense can do, that this offense can give. And if they can reach those levels, then I do think we're looking at a team that can get past Kansas City and win a Super Bowl. But that's what I would say for Baltimore out there. Like, th- this is not like your best chance of winning a Super Bowl. The future is still bright, especially if Todd Munkin returns as the OC, who clearly unlocked something 
with Lamar in this offense this year. Like the future is bright. It will get better in Baltimore, in my opinion, uh, if they continue to build it the way that they have. And I think they will be right back here next year or competing for this spot again next year, because that's uh, the way that this team is built. And I think the future is bright. I mean, this is a team that consistently is in like the top five of rushing offense in the NFL. And with the majority of it is contributed by their quarterback. Yeah, that should be that should be an eyebrow raiser. Um, in the good sense of that, like, hey, do you have a guy that's like an actual weapon? But like also in the bad sense of like, we don't have a guy outside of our quarterback that we can reliably lean on to be a, a contributor uh, in the run game. I think you're 100% correct. The Ravens are missing that run game. They're missing. I think Zay Flowers is going to be something special. I think this guy is going to be a very, very special wide receiver. Um, they need something other than him. They need yeah. something outside of him. Um, the Ravens are there. They're just like that half a step away mm-hmm. from being a true Super Bowl, like scary contender where we can go. Like, I think a lot of people in this in this AFC matchup went, hey, now Kansas City, because like they have all the pieces they need. Baltimore, they still felt like there was something missing and they're just yeah. that little bit away. If they lock that in with another wide receiver, something, you know, something to supplement Lamar Jackson and a true RB one. Yeah. And, and it, you know, something that can not make him quarterback one and RB one in the same offense. Th- this seems dangerous. Oh yeah. So dangerous. Oh yeah. You know, I mocked last year and, Obviously, Bijan Robinson ended up going in the top 10, but I mocked Bijan to Baltimore last year uh, in my mock draft for that reason was like, this is great. They have the incredible rushing attack. What if they actually added a legitimate running back one to this team? Like, imagine how much more you could get out of it. And maybe not. It's, maybe it's not a rookie. Maybe it's a veteran that they can acquire, uh, you know, to bring in. Maybe they go uh, poach Derrick Henry from the Tennessee Titans this off season and just add him to a cadre of running backs back there behind Lamar Jackson. And imagine what, you know, a bunch of talent helping in this rushing attack could do for this offense. Again, I just think the future is bright in Baltimore. I wouldn't be too bummed if you're a Ravens fan, it's a sucky loss. You hate to see it, but you can get back here. You can get beyond here to a Super Bowl. I really believe that uh, the pieces are in place and Lamar proved to us this year that he is a guy capable of doing that, in my opinion. Uh, winning his second MVP, proving to not do it with 1,200 rushing yards, still being a rushing threat, but working in the pocket, succeeding in the pocket as a passer in ways that we haven't seen him, he is capable of doing that. They can add a little bit more to this thing and really make a go at it. Yeah, I go get the RB. Go get the RB. And I just a quick search here. The guy that I find the best fit here, Audric Estime out of Notre Dame. He would be great. Get, your, get yourself a bruiser. You got all the other finesse everywhere else. Get yourself a bruiser that can grind out those three or four yards. The 5'11", 227-pound running back out of Notre Dame seems like a very good fit for Baltimore. I, I love that fit. Go get yep. the RB. 
Get it done. With the with the health luck that they have at running back, they should draft three running backs in this draft, Mitch. Because just go only, take Jonathan Brooks, you know, Trey Benson, and Audric. Like Estimate. only Why one not? of them's gonna stay healthy by the end of the year, anyways. With the way this running back, uh, the backfield in, in Baltimore goes, so help yourself out now and just draft as many as you can. Cause one, one of them has got to stay healthy. Uh, but yeah, no, you're right. I think he'd be a great fit and I'm sure that's a place that they'll address this off season. So, uh, we'll talk more about Kansas city in a little bit. Um, uh, do we want to go to the NFC championship game though? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Another yeah. fantastic game. This one. Yeah. A fantastic game, Dallin. Um, and a comeback, a come, we had a comeback. Um, in this postseason, the Niners getting it done 34 31 over the Lions. Uh, this is after the Lions had a 24 7 lead at half. Um, living in the home of a diehard San Francisco 49ers fan, I can tell you this was not a happy household. <laughs> this was not a happy household <laughs> when that happened. Um, and as a guy that was wanting to see the Lions make a Super Bowl, um, I made the mistake, Juju-wise, I guess you could say, uh, Juju was bad. I, I made the mistake of going, hey, babe, a lot of ball left. A lot of ball left. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> um, and it was a complete flip of the script. Detroit came out, absolutely punched San Francisco in the mouth. I mean, this was, this was like watching a boxing match that the the heavyweight champ gets knocked on their ass in the first 20 seconds because the underdog landed a few good punches. Um, this was, this was almost, you, you almost wanted to write this one off at halftime. You're like, it's over. It's done. Detroit. All they have to do is run the rest of the game out. Um, and San Francisco was like, uh, sorry, dudes. Like, that's not going to happen. We're going to take care of this business. They go ahead and outscore a uh, Detroit 27 to seven. And the second half, um, an incredible comeback by the San Francisco 49ers. Um, <laughs> I, I, no, I'm going to let you take this away. I'm going to let you take this away. Because I, I don't know if Detroit actually choked this one away. I think that this was more of San Francisco's resiliency playing a bigger part than Detroit choking this one away. Yeah. You know, it's Detroit could do no wrong in the first half, right? Everything was going away their way. They were just moving down the field with ease, the defense, you know, every break was going their way. The first possession, you know, uh, San Francisco misses a field goal right on their first uh, they have a chance to go 7-3 and at least put some points. They missed the field goal. Uh, Brock Purdy throws an interception uh, in that first half that Detroit then takes, uh, scores a touchdown to go 21-7. And it just felt like all the breaks were going Detroit's way. And then it just stopped at halftime. And from halftime on, all the breaks, all the momentum, everything was going in the way of the Niners. They scored on every offensive possession in the second half outside of the final possession to just kneel out the game, right? San Francisco scored on every possession in the second half. And I don't know if I, I, I agree that I don't think it was something that Detroit did wrong or did differently. Um, 
they ran into an incredibly good team that just figured things out and showed up offensively when they needed to. And then for the Detroit Lions offense, you know, they had a costly turnover. You know, they had the one play fumble. They give the ball. uh, They're up 24-17. They fumble on the first play of the drive halfway through the third. Give San Francisco a short field. They score in four plays. Very easy. Uh, they go three and out the next play, and 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 San Francisco takes the lead on a field goal. They took seven minutes off of the clock, and it just felt like Detroit. All the, you know, and I, I said this before the game. I picked the Niners in this, and I just said that Detroit's luck was just going to run out this week. That the magical run, that the magic of the season for Detroit was great, but it was just going to run out in this conference championship game. And it kind of felt like it just ran out in the second half. Like all of those breaks, all the things that were just working this year that got them to the point just stopped. And it wasn't because the talent wasn't good enough. This team was clearly talented enough to go to a Super Bowl. Right? I mean, I, I, I have no doubt about that having watched that game. The defense is still young. The defense could get better. That's not their strength. Offense is their strength. But the offense showed up in bunches. You see why they drafted Jameer Gibbs at the 12th overall pick. You see the weapon that Jamison Williams is, who they got the year before that basically redshirted in 2022, right, to have him this season. And you see the kind of weapon that he's become for that offense. You saw Jared Goff dealing in control. And much like with Baltimore and much like all of these playoff games, it comes down to a handful of moments, a handful of plays, a handful of decisions. The two fourth down decisions, by Dan Campbell, right? That's that's what it comes down to, right? If you convert on one of those, if you convert on both of those, we're talking about a Detroit Lions team that's going to the Super Bowl, right? I mean, I think that's, you know, I, I think that's pretty fair. Like the momentum changes in those moments. They didn't get those. They didn't execute. They didn't convert on those fourth downs. They turned the ball over on downs twice in the second half. Uh, going for it on fourth down both those times. And after both of those decisions, uh, you had touchdowns by the San Francisco 49ers on the ensuing drives. And, you know, that it is what it is. I, I've seen, I've seen so many people talk about this, right? Uh, and blaming Dan Campbell for the aggression in this moment, right? How could you, you got to take the points. You got to take the points. You could have kicked field goals on both of those. They weren't gimmies. We saw Jake Moody miss a field goal earlier in the game. It was windy and rainy in that second half in particular. So, you know, not ideal, you know, they're not in Ford field, right? And uh, undercover, it's not an ideal situation. I am not, I am absolutely a thousand percent not going to fault Dan Campbell in that situation. No, you live by the sword. You die by the sword. This is what they've done all year. The most aggressive head coach in the NFL. And so that's how it goes, right? It's just you, you cannot change who you are in that moment. If they take the points on on that second, fourth down conversion and just take the points and tie the ball game up, and they still lose the game. Today we're talking about why didn't he just do what they got him there in the first place? Exactly. Like, it's a lose lose situation. Yeah. And that it, it like it, again, like you said, live by the sword, die by the sword. You can't 
change who you are because I guess if it doesn't work out in your way, like you're you're in a bad spot to begin with. You're 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 putting yourself you're putting yourself in a tough spot to begin with, and that comes with going on fourth down anyway. But exactly, you know, it, yeah, damn. I I hate the slander towards Dan Campbell that is, that he's gotten over the last couple, you know, over the last few days. Hate yeah. that. Yeah, this is what they've been all year. You, you don't change who you are in the middle of the NFC Championship game because you're scared of losing. You can't do that. You play to win. You play your style. They're aggressive. They go for it on fourth. It's what they did. Now you can. You can debate and question the play calls, right? The execution was clearly sure. not there because they didn't get it. You know, the first one, you have Josh Reynolds just drop a pass. They had oh, he it. dropped two big ones. He dropped two in that second half, but they had it on that first fourth, uh, fourth down that they went for, and he just drops the pass. Well, if Josh Reynolds catches that, we're not even having the conversation, right? I mean, you gotta, you have to have execution from your players. That's not on Dan Campbell. That's right. not on him. Uh, for right. not catching that pass. Uh, so you got to stick to your game plan. You, you, he lived by the aggression this year and he, they died by the aggression in this game. And you know what? If you're Detroit, that's how you want to go out. If you're not going to get it done, you go out playing football the way that you've played all year that got you to the NFC championship game. If the breaks don't go your way, they don't go your way. Again, this is the playoffs. It, this is how it goes. There's only a few moments that mattered. Those were big moments in the game that didn't go Detroit's way. They didn't execute. And it is what it is. But yeah, I, I don't fault the decision at all. And I, I know you don't either. And, you know, if you differ with us, you know, share your thoughts. We'd love to hear from you. Let us know yeah. on Instagram, Twitter. Like, what are you thinking in this moment? But, you know, as you've heard from us, it's like, you know, you can't change who you are now. And, and Mitch is right. If it, if they kick the field goal and they lose the game, then we're just having another conversation about how they should have been aggressive, you know, as opposed for kicking a field goal. And it doesn't, it doesn't help any, it doesn't make anybody feel better at the end of the day. Yeah. You can't win in that situation. So you might as well be who you are. Yeah. Just be who you are and say, Hey, I'm going to drop my nuts on the table and we're going to go for it again. And that's what you got to do. That's what you got to do. And so yeah. I commend Dan Campbell. He did a fantastic job with this team. Um, I think he did as good of a job play calling as he possibly could have done. Ben Johnson have to give him credit for the offense. Um, this was just, it was a fantastic run. Um, and they're not gone. They're not, nothing's changing about this team. Like there's a lot of this team coming back next year. And, the lines are going to be one that we're going to be talking about as serious NFC contenders. I think. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Cause and... all you can do is grow from this experience, right? You lost to technically the best team of the NFC. Like mm -hmm. even though it wasn't record wise, the best team of the NFC, you lost to them. So you, and in a close one. So you have to, you have to look at this team and go, damn, they're going to be scary next year. Yeah. A hundred percent. And this is still an incredibly young team and they've got veteran presence at the right places, you know, a quarterback with Jared Goff. But I mean, we saw what Jameer Gibbs was, especially in this playoff run. And they were not using him <laughs> at all this year at times behind David Montgomery. It's not going to be 60, 40 David Montgomery in the future. Right. Jameer Gibbs is going to be a much bigger part of this offense. You know what that's going to bring Sam Laporta, Jamison Williams, uh, 
uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. Like this is a T and the offensive line. I mean, geez, like, I mean, this, this is an offense that's not going anywhere and a defense that's still incredibly young. Aiden Hutchinson is only going to get better and more dominant. We saw the moments this year of him emerging as a true guy. You know, would it surprise anyone if he had 15 sacks next year? Absolutely not, right? They have potential to add even more onto this defense to make the defense true contender status. Because again, at the end of the day, the defense didn't get a stop the entire second half. Right, We can blame the offense for not converting on fourth down. We can conv- blame the offense for fumbling on the first drive, but they did not stop San Francisco at all in the second half. They scored on every offensive drive. The defense has to be better if they're going to win a Super Bowl, and it can be, and it will be, because of the young pieces they already have and the potential that they can add. So, yeah, this Lions team ain't going anywhere. I am very excited to see what the future holds for Detroit. You want to build that defense? You build it around Aiden Hutchinson. And you build it around Alex Anzalone. Mm. That a veteran that has been there. He has felt the heartbreak. He has been there through the tough years. He's been there through now a good year. That's a leader. You need to build around that leader and then have the superstar on the edge. Those are the two guys you need to retain building that defense moving forward. My obviously my opinion about <laughs> You know, building a defense in the NFL doesn't really matter in high, you know, in, in all, you know, in all seriousness. But that's who I think they need to build around because you need the leader and you need the guy that can go out and get the job done week in and week out. Those are the two that you absolutely need on that defense next year. Yeah. Detroit, an incredible year, an incredible year for the Lions. Uh, we're big fans of the Lions, even as a Bears fan over here, Mitch Moe rooting for the Lions. I, am. I mean, I am. it's. Crazy to see. I'll I'll tell you what, if there's a team in that division that I will pull for outside of the Bears, it's the Lions. I'm not pulling for the Vikings, and I sure as fuck ain't pulling for the rat people. So, (laughs) yeah, I wanted to see the Lions do well, represent the NFC North. Um, You know, unfortunately, they fall a little bit short. Yeah. Hell of a season for the fighting Dan Campbells, who I'm sure will be back next year. Just as good, if not better, uh, which leaves us with a Super Bowl matchup, a rematch of four years ago, Mitch, between the San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. At the end of the podcast, we'll give you a little tease of our preview, our initial thoughts of that matchup, how we got here uh, and uh, what we're looking forward to in that game uh, a little bit later. But uh, a great, great championship weekend, two incredibly close games, even the Baltimore Kansas City one, which you know, was Kansas City dominant for a lot of the game, but Baltimore was hanging in there, not giving up. I mean, two very entertaining games, and you'll love to see it. That's all we can ask for at this time of year. That's all you can ask for, man. I I just love good football. I love good football. And you know what? Granted, maybe not all the teams that we want to see in this matchup, but we're going to have a great Super Bowl matchup, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. It should be a good one. So uh, that's going to do it for the conference weekend recap. We're going to take a break here and hit a mid roll on the other side. We'll give you the weekly Kraken update. We'll not miss that. And then uh, we're going to do a little sports hour draft, uh, a fun draft that we'll give you today. I'm not going to tell you what it is. You got to stick around and listen to it. So do that. Stick around and we'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Sports Hour with Mitch Moe and Dallin. Thanks for sticking with us through the break, guys. Uh, second half of the show, we got a weekly Kraken update. We have a very special uh, Sports Hour draft, and we're going to get into a very brief um, Super Bowl preview. But, Dallin, uh, let's kick it off um, with our boys up there in the PNW, the Emerald City, the Seattle Kraken. We got to check in with them because, Dallin, we had the win streak, then we had kind of a losing streak, and now we've kind of plateaued a little bit. Things are uh, not not good, but not great uh, in in the in the Emerald City right now. Yeah, um, All Star break in the NHL right now. So the Kraken played their last game uh, for over for about a week. Um, they played that on Tuesday, the thirtieth. Uh, they went one, one, and one. In the last week since we recorded, one win, one loss, one overtime loss. Uh, they sit at 21, 19, and 10 on the season. Just outside that playoff mix, fifth in the Pacific Division. Uh, you know, right about where they have been. Not a, not a bad way to close out. Not ideal. You know, not coming into the All-Star break with a ton of momentum. But there will be a lot of season left uh, at the back half that they can attack and go after. They'll have... Um, what about 30 games uh, to play in the rest of their season? Uh, one lone all-star though, that we want to recognize here uh, for the Kraken this year, Oliver Bjorkstrand, the lone representative yes. for the Kraken in the all-star game. So congrats to him. Uh, go represent Seattle. Well, and we'll just hope that we come out of the all-star break firing. We, we they can't really afford a slip at this point, right? With where they're at in the no. standings, like, you know, you come out of the all-star break, you lose four or five in a row. Like you lose, you know, eight of seven or eight of 10, like we're going to be in a bad spot. So got to come out with some positive momentum, uh, get in really in the thick of that playoff hunt, or we could be looking like we're going to miss out. So it'll be a critical stretch here. Uh, those few weeks after the all-star break. Yeah, they have to, they have to come out and play hot. I mean, they just lost a big game. San Jose Sharks. Um, one of the worst teams in the league uh, mm. lost that one to them two nothing. Um, they have to come out hot and play some good puck. Um, shout out to Oliver Bjorkstrand um, for getting the All Star nod, but um, this team as a whole, you know, a lot of missed opportunities and those overtime losses, um, and you know, we could be looking at a very different situation had they converted even half of those. So. Um, Seattle's got to play some good puck down the stretch. Uh, no time for missteps, no time for mistakes, especially in the second half of the se uh, season, uh, trying to get a playoff spot. No doubt. Uh, enjoy the break, get healthy, you know, kind of reset, and then time to attack post-All-Star Get some break. new teeth. Get some new teeth. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Got to do it. Got to do it, man. <laughs> I mean, you don't need kit. You don't need teeth for kissing pretty girls, but you know, hockey <laughs> players, you, you're losing a lot of them, a lot, man. Yeah, you, yeah. You might need some new teeth. So go, go see the dentist, the or the or, you know, orthodontist, whatever you need. Uh, get get right, get right for the second half. That's right, absolutely. Um, Dallin, love that cracking update. Always got to check in on our boys, like we always say. A lot of puck left. A lot of yes. puck left with the boys. So. 
Um, we'll be looking forward into checking in with those guys in the future. Dallin, let's get a little bit of a sports hour draft going on here. A sports hour draft and, you know, you and I grew up together. You and I uh, were childhood friends. And a big part of our childhood was going outside, playing some basketball, playing some football, playing a little wiffle ball, a little baseball. Whatever we could play, we were playing. In fact, one of my favorite memories, Dallin, if I could just digress a little bit, um, was your birthday sleepover. I think when we were probably 10 or 11 years old um, and we played football in the fog one of the thickest fogs i've ever seen in my life yes um in your backyard and we basically kind of made our own nfl films moment (laughs) in that kind of in that deal um the music was playing in our heads you know god it was it was was vibrant yeah you had to be there it was one of the greatest games ever played honestly i'm pretty sure i was wearing my jeff garcia niners jersey like i like (laughs) i love it it's incredible you'd line up and you could see the breath coming off of us but there's a thick fog it was perfect it was our own nfl films moment (laughs) um but down a lot of what we also did too because sometimes the rain hits and you can't go outside but um We'd play a lot of video games and video games are something we still play together today. Um, so this week's draft is going to be our best sports video games of all time. Um, couple uh, stipulations, I guess, with this, um, we're not drafting complete franchises. So if Dallin drafts a certain Madden game, that doesn't lock down the entire Madden franchise. If I draft a Tony Hawk pro skater game, that doesn't lock down the entire Tony Hawk pro skater franchise. So um, we are just drafting our favorite video games um, that are sports, sports video games. Yeah, sports video games. Yeah, of course, because if we did just video games, there'd be plenty of them. And you'd probably beat oh, yeah. me because <laughs> I'm not good at the shoot 'em up games. So. You um, aren't drafting Skyrim? Come on. You know, Skyrim's got to go top three well, for me and, for sure. And I would Farm draft simulators going to go up there for you, right? I would, I would draft simulate. I would draft civilization. So like, so that's a good one. Yeah. Civ five. Civ five is, is Civ five is <laughs> one of my favorite ones. I mean, it's just a great strategy game, but oh, man. no, our sports video games, our favorite sports video games, what we're drafting. I had the first pick last week. Dallin, so you get the first pick this week. Um, I mean, all the options in the world are in front of you. So, Dallin, go ahead. Take it away with your first overall pick of the best sports video game draft. Yeah, I'm so ready for this. And if you're listening, like, we know that you, the minute Mitch said that, the they're running through your head, right? The your favorite games, the one you played oh, the yeah. most growing up, the ones you still think about and wish you could play today. Uh, if we miss your favorite video game, let us know. We want to hear from you. If you if you agree with our list, let us know. I think this will be fun. But uh, Mitch, there was only one pick here for me. A uh, lot of great options, and you're gonna a take a lot one, of great options. You're gonna take one of them. I want. I know it oh, yeah. because. We're going to steal from each other throughout this entire list. There's no question here, Uh, but probably definitely my favorite sports video game and maybe the best sports video game of all time 
My first pick, I'm going NFL 2K5. Ah, goddammit. Uh, NFL 2K5 <laughs> with Terrell Owens on the cover, the final iteration of ESPN 2K, uh, 2K football in general, because the following year, EA signed the exclusive rights deal to where Madden is the only NFL video game we have had. Um, from then on out, but released in 2004, uh, this was like, you had like the crib and celebrities like Steve-O would call you on your cell phone. <laughs> like it was, it was so, so good. There was so It had good. everything. Chris Berman was a huge part of the, obviously ESPN personality. So Chris Berman was all over the game, which I mean, we love Chris Berman. So that was like awesome. There were just so many cool elements outside of just the football being played that made that video game so unique. And we've never really seen anything like it since it is number one in my heart. NFL 2K5. The best franchise mode of all time. Yeah. I mean, you and I would play franchise mode and like co-GM a team together. Mm-hmm. And then we would play, we would alternate games or, you know, alternate possessions that we would play with each other. And to win a game and then at the end of it, Chris Berman is doing his fastest two minutes with your game that yes. you just played. And you hear the what? Or you bumbling, <laughs> stumbling, bumbling. Like you'd hear those things. It was so perfect. I mean, yeah. Just, now the be, the that's the best football game on the board, and I, I obviously you and I hours and hours of <laughs> of time spent together playing that game. Um, a fantastic game, fantastic pick. Um, if it was if there was not another game that I'm gonna take right here, it would have been my 101, and I would have taken it 201. Yeah, so. There you go. Well, I'm glad I got it off the board. I knew I knew there was no way in hell it was getting back to me. So, <laughs> yeah, there's no way in hell it was. I mean, if it got to me, it was it, there. You were done for. But <laughs> I will take my 101 because I think this is the game I spent the most time playing. Um, it was a favorite of me and my brothers on the PlayStation 2. And I'm going to go with MVP Baseball 2005. Yeah. Uh, Manny yeah, Ramirez on the cover, probably the best franchise mode. It was just simple enough that everyone could understand it, but just complex enough to make you feel like you're actually running your own franchise. Um, it was perfect. I mean, th- this 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 game was fantastic. Uh, you know, for its time, the graphics were top notch. Um, MVP Baseball 2005, the greatest baseball game ever concocted um has to be at the top of my list so i'm gonna take them 101 or 102 i guess yeah um fantastic that was like the second that's number two on the list behind nfl 2k5 and i i specifically remember like I don't know. I don't remember if they were like mini games or something, but they had all these interesting games that you could play. You had to hit it into the outfield at certain spots and like just fun, like outside of just playing a franchise mode or just rolling up a game. Like they had so many interesting elements in that game uh, that I remember. And on top of it, an incredible soundtrack, like a perfect, the best early mid 2000 soundtrack. It's so good. Oh, the soundtrack. And I believe that is a playlist on Spotify. If you could look it up. 
Oh, it okay. Is, it is the MVP Baseball 2005 soundtrack. Like that's a playlist on Spotify. It's fantastic, fantastic playlist. And you're right about the mini games. Um, I I believe this was the first baseball game that at least I can remember introducing like a home run derby style thing. Um, that that you could do with your friends and like pass the controller around and and you know pick a player and go play home run derby with them. It was just fantastic. I mean, just the perfect baseball game. It was perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Great pick. Great pick. Um, oh, it's hard to move on from that one because I love that game so much. But I am going to. Oh, boy. It gets tough. It gets tough. It gets really tough. Too many good options. It gets so tough. You know, I'm going to go. I think I can hold off on this one because I think it's going to come back to me. So I'm going to go with NCAA football 2014. Okay. Yep. Yeah. We've, we've um, nailed the top three so far. I think, I think most would agree with us. The top yeah. three seem pretty good. I mean, the last college football game. Um, I, I quite honestly didn't own the game. I had to play it at friends houses um, or at, you know, acquaintances houses. Um, but it was the best iteration of a franchise mode or a you know a dynasty mode um of any college football game and i hope they bring that back for um for the new college football game i hope they bring back the coach mode where you're able to move to different organizations different programs um this was just like the most complete game that i think that ncaa football had ever done and then it ended abruptly um because the whole nil deals so um, NCAA football 14 has to be, uh, easily at the top of the list. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, the fact that people are literally still playing it to this day, I mean, part of that is because there hasn't been a follow-up, but it was such a good game that 10 year, eight, 10 years later, people are still playing NCAA football 2014, uh, just goes to show how good of a game it was. This was also a game I did not play. Came out while I was on my mission and I never, I've never played it. I never owned it to be honest with you, but I know so many people that swear by this game as the best game they've ever played. It is their the favorite, best. you know, their favorite sports video game, maybe their favorite video game ever. And I mean, we're so excited to have NCAA football back uh, this summer when it releases. And uh, yeah, hopefully they recapture that maggot magic that they had uh back in 2013 when this was released absolutely absolutely okay i'm back up with two picks here uh i've got nfl 2k5 at the top i've got a lot of games i want to pick from uh so this is this is interesting but uh here's where we're gonna go first mitch i'm gonna stick in the nfl with my pick mm. But it's not Madden. Oh. NFL Street. Oh, yeah. Give me NFL Street 2004, the first NFL Street. Uh, that is my pick uh, for my second pick here because, I mean, we were, we loved Madden, we loved NFL 2K, but there's something that's so unique and so like couldn't be made nowadays about NFL Street. Uh, like great soundtracks with great hip hop, uh, just a different play style. 
uh, you know, that was just so unique. And I just, I don't know. There's something about this game that it was just so fun and so different. It felt like you're playing football, but it was like a whole unique game. And I appreciate that in a genre, like it's so easy to just kind of copy paste in these video games when you're making an NFL game, NFL street did something different and you probably couldn't make it in 2024. So uh, I, I love that about it. So I'm going to go NFL street number two. I love that because I remember as a kid, the Steelers in that game mm. were a cheat code. With Jerome Bettis. Well, you'd have Jerome Bettis. Just... <laughs> you'd have Jerome Bettis, Ben Roethlisberger, and Heinz Ward just fucking shit up. Like it was <laughs> it was such a cheat code. Oh my gosh. Yes. I I loved that game. You know what? I have a very vivid memory of sixth grade. And we were doing Mrs. Rigsby's sleep you know, this the 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 uh, sleepover party that we would yes. do. And we were we were playing NFL Street for hours, hours <laughs> in that little classroom party that yeah. we had. Mm-hmm. It was so much fun. I mean, just a great, great game and a one that anyone can learn, one that anyone can learn to play, whether you know football or not. Um, just a fun arcade style type of game. It was perfect. It was yep. perfect for the at- for the football fan and the average fan, you know, the average person. It was it was an awesome game. Awesome game. Yep. NFL Street, my second pick. I'm up again with my third pick, and I will leave the realm of the NFL. And I'm actually gonna go with probably a game I spent I know I spent so much time playing this video game. Mm. Tiger Woods PGA Tour. Uh. 2004. Uh, There have been a lot of iterations of this game, but 2004 with Tiger in the red staring you down in the corner, uh, in in the cover, I mean. This was incredible. I loved golf video games. I still do. I mean, we play... We play... uh, Yeah, we we do day night. We play PGA Tour, like, almost every week. It's either that or Madden, like, and... There's something about it. And this game had so many great courses. Like I vividly remember like all the courses, the career mode that you would play and uh, golf video games, I think are a little underrated. Uh, They're pretty good and they've done pretty good, especially the Tiger Woods versions. Uh, So I'm going Tiger Woods PGA Tour 04. Yeah, I think you picked the best iteration of that game. I think you couldn't have gone wrong. Have you done like 03 or 05? Like, yeah. They were so good during that era. Mm-hmm. Um, not to mention, I mean, by the way, when we talk about great video game soundtracks, it started a golf game with DMX's Up and Here. Yeah. Like, yeah, there you go. <laughs> like, I mean, come on. <laughs> that's a different way to start a golf game. That's for sure. <laughs> it started with DMX. I mean, what a soundtrack. What a game. It's just, it's just awesome. It's an awesome game. Great pick. Um, wish I had it. Definitely, I was I was weighing a Tiger Woods uh, a game on my list. Um, but damn, what a good pick! What a good pick! All right, you're back up. Back to back picks here for you, Mitch. Yeah, back to back here, and I think I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with my favorite Madden game. Hmm. And I'm going to go with Madden 2005. Yeah. 
Um, this was uh, just as I, I think a lot of people would probably say 2004 is just as good. And I would agree with them. 2004, as far as functionality and, um, you know, what you're able to do within the game, the franchise mode, the mini games, the training camp that you go through. I think that it, that's all perfectly fine. But this was the game that introduced the hit stick. So yes. um, combine all of that from 2004 with the hit stick. And I think you have a fantastic game. Um, Ray Lewis on the cover. Uh, a fantastic, um, fantastic cover athlete, especially when you're debuting a, a function like the hit stick. Um, Madden 2005 was probably their best Madden game. And so I'm going to go with that. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I think, you know, I, I think this, this game maybe just struggles cause it came out competing with NFL 2K, ESPN 2K5, it right, does. At, right yeah. at the same time. But this was on my list, uh, of games to pick from cause it was still an incredible game in its own right. And more than worthy of a pick here. So I love it. Great, great, yeah. great. Well done. Yeah. Love that. Love that game. And so with my fourth pick, I'm going to go with one that I, I probably could have gotten with the fifth pick, but I, I think it's deserving of being the fourth pick. And so I'm going to take it and I'm going to go with backyard baseball. 2001. Ah, I knew you were going to do it. You would not have got it with your fifth pick, my friend. Okay. That okay, was going to be gone. Woo. All right. Good. I love it. Specifically 2001, because yeah. this was the first year that they introduced professional players as kids uh, in the game. So I'm just going to read off the list of them. Barry Larkin, Vladimir Guerrero, Jeff, Be Jeff Bagwell, um, Larry Walker, Chipper Jones, Derek Jeter, Mike Piazza, Tony Gwynn, Ken Griffey Jr., Cal Ripken Jr., Yvonne Rodriguez, Randy Johnson, uh, Frank Thomas, Alex Rodriguez, Alfonso Soriano, Ichiro, Sammy Sosa, Jim Tomei, Albert Pujols, Nomar Garcia Parra, and Barry Bonds. Um, this was just a this was just such a fun game. Like it was your own fantasy league, but as like a kid, so you could kind of feel like a kid managing a baseball team. Um, the ultimate cheat, cheat code, Pablo Sanchez. I mean, the, the greatest uh, sports athlete in video games to ever live <laughs> is Pablo Sanchez. Oh yeah. Um, have to pick him on every single team that you ever draft in any backyard sports uh, video game. Um, this and his his shining star, you know, his his shining spot was baseball. Um, have to have Pablo Sanchez on the team. Just a fantastic game. Uh, totally lighthearted, um, and and great for the whole family. So I loved loved this game. I had such a good pick. Yeah, that was definitely coming up for me. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's a classic. It's a cla and it's another one kind of like in you know very different than NFL Street, but in the genre of a baseball game, but just its own entity that you could enjoy outside of MLB, the show or MVP baseball or whatever it may be like stands alone and uh, a classic. And yeah, Pablo is the greatest athlete the world's ever seen. So, I mean, he is, <laughs> it's, he it's is. Fitting. 
<laughs> with that little belly poking out. He's the best. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, that's a, that's a great pick, Mitch. I love that. All right. Um, I've got my last two picks up here. And I think I know what direction I'm going. I'm going to start with. I'm going to start with this. I'm going to start with. I'm going to go with a basketball game. I don't know. Have we even mentioned a basketball game yet? I don't uh, think we have. No, we haven't. No basketball games on the board, so I'll get one out of the way. And this one for me is maybe not the most commercially, critically acclaimed of the NBA 2Ks. You know, if you look at lists and ratings, NBA 2K13, 14, those ones are mentioned. I didn't play those games. Uh, the real first NBA 2K that I really got into in recent years uh and one that i think incorporated a really interesting element if you've played the recent nba 2k games is nba 2k 18 uh which is what i'm going to go for with my fourth pick had kyrie irving on the cover and what made nba 2k 18 most interesting is it introduced the neighborhood which was this open world sort of element that you could go and explore uh, you could play pickup games against other people online in the neighborhood. Uh, you had sort of, you know, objectives, quests you could do there. You could go to the barber, get your hair cut. Like, you know, there's a bunch of stuff. You had an apartment in the neighborhood and you kind of use the neighborhood in the functionality of your career mode, uh, which I thought was a very unique idea. something they've expanded on in the 2Ks ever since and built the neighborhood out and made it maybe even better than that first one was. But that, I think, at the time was a very novel idea. And in the 2K games that were maybe getting a little stale and just the same old, same old year after year, that interesting, unique uh, aspect to it, I think, really made it interesting. And I spent a lot of time playing this video game. I had got my PlayStation 3, uh, or PS4, I mean, and uh, this was like one of the first games I bought on release uh, and played quite a bit. And it made me appreciate NBA 2K. So I'm going to go NBA 2K18 with my fourth pick. I love that pick. You always have that one game that you like, you just remember. And you you have to like, you have to abide by it. You have to do it. Um, I, I love that pick for you. I love that pick. Yeah. Um, okay. Look. I've got last, my last pick. Mitch has got his last pick after me. Uh, and I saved this one for last. I could have took it before 2K18. It didn't really matter. Uh, this one was a no-brainer. Going to go on uh, my list. You may not be thinking of it when you think of sports video games, but it counts, and it's fantastic. I'm going Wii Sports, Mitch. Oh, God. <laughs> Wii Sports for number five. Because, one, the Wii is an underrated video game console. Right. It I is. think like at the time we kind of laugh at it and it seemed, but like we sports, we was kind of a very interesting concept. And I think really successful in a lot of ways. And we sports specifically, you could bowl, play baseball, you could play golf, you could box. I mean, it was fun. Tennis. I spent, you could play tennis. I, I spent a lot of time bowling and playing golf on we sports and honestly had a blast and it kind of reached across all demographics. Like my parents would play Wii Sports with me, right? And like my parents weren't playing Madden <laughs> with me or, you know, some of these other video games, but we would play Wii Sports together because it kind of, 
uh, had a little bit for everybody, but still nonetheless interesting and satisfying as a sports fan and as a sports video games fan. So undoubtedly, especially for the bowling aspect, got to give Wii Sports the plug here for number five. Yeah, I, I love that. And like you said, it transcended generations. Like it just like everyone can enjoy Wii Sports. Yeah. Um, I, I, I love that pick. Love that pick. Um, it was one I considered. Um, but for my fifth pick, Dallin, I have to stay true to myself. And you know I love a good racing game. <laughs> and I couldn't. And I had to kind of like run my head through like of all the racing games that I would pick. Yeah. Um, you know, there right now my favorite one is the World of Outlaws game um, that's on PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, Xbox. You know, it's all over the place. Uh, fantastic game. Um, if I could afford iRacing, iRacing would be on this list. Uh, but I have n- never played iRacing, nor can I afford it because it's stupid expensive. But, <laughs> Dallin, one that you and I played together a lot. And I had a I had a big nostalgia moment here. I thought about you and I because you and I <laughs> played a lot of sports video games together. Um, I'm going to go with NASCAR 2006 Total Team Control. Okay. Um, this was the one where you could switch drivers within your within your team. Um Right. And and you could help out your teammates to have a better finishing position. Um, this is one of the the one of the years of NASCAR games, one of the few years in NASCAR games where drivers actually switched cars. Like there was a silly season. Uh silly season being the free agency of NASCAR. Um where you know, you go, Oh, Bobby Labonte's not driving the number 18 car this year. He's driving the number, you know. 16 car for Jack Roush. He's take you know, and Greg Biffle is now moved over here. Like, you know, there was actually a shuffle and a serious like free agency thing um within the game. Um one of the fun ones, I know you and I would always combine our names to make a driver. Um, and then we would <laughs> we would alternate drivers. Um, you know, we would alternate races of who drove. Um or, you know, I, I know I would go like, oh, Dallin, you're better at this track. You take this one. Or, you know, hey, Mitch, yeah. you're better. You're better at this track. You take this one. <laughs> um, and, you know, just trying to make our driver as good as possible. NASCAR 2006, um, something I played well into college. I would play. The, I played this game well into college. Um, a super, super fun game. And uh, has to be number five on my list. Just the hours I've spent on this one. I love it. I knew you were going to pick a racing game, but I was curious as to which one you would pick. Uh, This is a great selection. I remember this one, and I think it was 05, the year before that, Chase for the Cup, uh, that we would play quite a bit. And yeah, those were great games. And I remember this, the, the team aspect of it, like that is, it is true. And I, you mentioned it, like we would... We would switch off. It was like, oh, you're better at short tracks. You got to run this one. And oh, oh, this is uh, Daytona. That's you got to run that one. It's yeah, it's fantastic. And another underrated soundtrack here. Oh, yeah. It was like, well, one time, two time, three time, four time. Come on, baby. Like, I, I, I can't remember the name of the song, but I love that song. <laughs> Oh, it's so good. I think it's the Black Crows that do it. I'm gonna have to look that one up later, but um, 
it's just a it's it's a fun one it's a fun fun game um and i wish these games could get revived like on mm. newer consoles uh yeah. because i would buy them in a heartbeat so that i could play them um and go through them again it was such a ton of fun so love it wow this was uh this was one of my favorite drafts we've done i'm not gonna lie uh wow. this is this, this one and i gotta give you credit here because you came up with this idea and it was a great idea and i've had fun being a little nostalgic here, thinking about all these fun memories we've had playing all of these video games. Literally every game outside of the NASCAR game I had on my list uh, oh, wow. of possible selections. Like all, all of the picks that you had, I also had on my list ready to go, ready to pick those. Uh, yeah, this was this was a great, great top, great draft. You know, and the, race, the racing game I was going to go with outside of NASCAR was not even... I wouldn't even classify it as a sports game, but I guess it kind of was. But it was Need for Speed Underground. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Where I had the Yin Yang twins and uh, little John uh, doing a to the window of the wall. That was the like the cover song. <laughs> I, that was the that was the racing game I was going to go with. But yeah, I didn't I didn't feel like that classified quite as a sports game. Like, <laughs> but um. Yeah, I think we all, I mean, this was a fantastic draft. Down, do you have any uh, honorable mentions or ga games that you didn't pick that maybe were on your list that you would have liked to have on your team? Yeah, you know, the only other game I wrote down that we didn't select was NBA Street. That was the one uh, I had. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd already picked NFL Street. So it was like, you know, same idea, but NBA version. And it was also fantastic. NFL Street just kind of felt like better. I don't know. I always wanted to play it more, but NBA Street was still fantastic. That was like the other game I wrote down. Yeah, I had I had this one wouldn't have gotten the votes if we were like putting this up for a poll. We should put this up for a poll on Twitter. Just yeah. Like, but um, yeah, I the the one I thought wasn't like a, a vote getter was World of Outlaws 2001. Um, the sprint car racing game. Fantastic. Um, there was another NASCAR game, Dirt to Daytona. Um, mm. which is like you track your career from starting on dirt all the way through the upper echelon of NASCAR um, way ahead of its time for its style of game. Uh, loved that game, played that one well into college as well. Um, there were just so many good ones, man. So many good ones. Uh, it, I think this was probably my favorite draft we've ever done. My favorite draft by far. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, this was a great one. Let's run through our list one more time for you listening uh, at home. I had the first pick. My picks were in order, uh, starting at the top. NFL 2K5, NFL Street, Tiger Woods PGA Tour 2004, NBA 2K18, and Wii Sports. Yeah, that's a great list. That's <laughs> so good. Um, mine was MVP Baseball 2005, NCAA Football 2014, Madden NFL 2005, Backyard Baseball, and NASCAR 2006 Total Team Control. These are killer lists. Uh, you can debate us all you want. We will disagree, but we do want to hear from you. What did you think of the draft? Did we miss your favorite sports video game of all time? Scream at us in the comments on our socials. Let us know uh, what we missed. Uh, or maybe did we nail it? 
Did we nail all of the best games here? Let us know. We'd uh, we'd love to hear from you because we and know like, you have opinions. We know you've been listening and thinking about this yourself, and we do want to hear your thoughts. There's one I think is going to get yelled at us a lot, and I have to come to our defense because we aren't at the age that we could have played it. Is Mike Tyson's punch out? Oh yeah, yeah. Like I've before heard our time. And I heard like for its time was a fantastic game. And I would love to play that one, you know, just to go through it. It seems like kind of a more arcade style deal. Right. But like we weren't we weren't old enough to play that thing. Like that was like out of date, you know, by the time we were born, you know, it was tech mobile. Like we weren't going to play that, you know, no. (laughs) it is very much, uh, you know, age related in a lot of ways. You can tell our list. Full of games from 2004 to 2006, uh, rightfully so, because that's when we were hitting our teen, <laughs> the beginning of our teenage years, you know. Uh, but yet they are still some of the, you know, you you could go look up lists people aggregated uh, of the best sports video games of all time, and a lot of these are on there. Uh, they just, it was like a golden era for sports video games. It feels like, and we were very blessed to live in it. Incredible. Please just let us have a 2K NFL game again. Yes. With like the same mechanics, the same mechanics, just updated graphics, updated players. And I'd be so happy. I would be so happy. That would be great. It was perfect. Absolutely. Uh, Mitch, that was fun. Great draft this week. Uh, Let's just wrap off the the pod real quick with a bit, uh, a tease of our Super Bowl preview. You're going to want to tune in next week, week of Super Bowl 58, where we will give, give you our robust full breakdown preview of the Super Bowl matchup between the Niners and the Chiefs. We'll give you storylines. We'll talk prop bets, halftime show. We'll do another draft. We'll have everything for you next week. But we do want to just share some of our initial thoughts and reactions to the matchup between the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. Right now, the line started at like minus four for San Francisco in this game. It's come back down to minus two right now for San Francisco. Um, which I find kind of interesting. What are, what are sort of the first few things that come to your mind when you're thinking about this matchup coming up? Well, as far as betting lines go, I wouldn't be surprised if this was a split. If um, it ends up, if it ends up split. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't Agreed. mind like, if this was like a, just a push and take a money line, you know, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised in this game at all because this does as much as I wanted to see Baltimore and Detroit, um, I think that would have been the the Super Bowl most people wanted to see. Um, this feels like probably the best possible matchup we could have gotten. Yeah. Um, and that that could be, you know, that could just be some hindsight of looking at back on the on the last week's games and now now looking at the two matchup and go, well, yeah, this is definitely the best matchup, and we probably could be saying that about. Detroit and Baltimore if the situations were flipped but it really does feel like the best matchup that we could possibly get two great defenses two great offenses um this feels like a slugfest and for it opening up at uh, San Francisco at uh, minus two um I wouldn't be surprised if this one split if there is no spread here um just take the money line and then start betting the over under and we'll, we'll get into the betting odds and the betting lines next week. I'll have some, uh, 
some additional stuff for you guys if you're listening and tuning in next week. Stay tuned for that. But um, feels like the best possible line uh, matchup that we could possibly have. So, yeah, you know, I off the bat, you know, we're all thinking about the Super Bowl that we just saw in 2020 between these two teams. Um, and here we are four years later, back to the Niners versus the Chiefs. I love the symmetry, the things that are the same from that matchup and also the things that are very different about both of these teams, right? And the things that have happened in the four years since that matchup, a lot of continuity and, you know, there's Mahomes, there's Kelsey, the coaches are the same, uh, you know, a lot of the players on the Niners, Debo Samuel, Fred Warner, uh, you know, Nick Bosa, guys that were young and just upcoming in their careers have established themselves. And there's a lot of new faces to this matchup. I mean, Brock Purdy, namely at the top of that, we had Jimmy Garoppolo in this game four years ago. Now it's Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy heading the Niners in this one. You've got Christian McCaffrey in the backfield. A lot better than what they were rolling with in 2020. I mean, Christian McCaffrey may win Offensive Player of the Year. He's been that good for the Niners. Uh, and then on the Chiefs side, you know, no Tyree Kill, which they had in this game. He was a huge part of this game four years ago. But you also have a defense that has emerged over the last two years to be arguably the strength of this Chiefs team in a way that we, I don't think, could have thought possible in 2020. If you would have told me four years later <laughs> with that Chiefs team that the defense would be the strength, not the offense, we, we probably would have laughed at you, right? With Tyreek and Mahomes and Kelsey and how explosive the offense was, Mahomes had won an MVP. It's like, yeah, no, this offense is going to be it. But the defense over the last few years has emerged as the true strength of this team, a young defense so full of talent, so hungry, and I love the symmetry of these matchups, but also the things that are different in this and the different elements that are going to make this obviously its own unique game and very different from the matchup we saw in Miami in 2020. Yeah, such a dynamic game, such a dynamic game. Um, the fun fact about this game, Dallin, Ed McCaffrey and Mike Shanahan Won three Super Bowls together. Super Bowl 29, Super Bowl 32, and Super Bowl 33. Now, their sons, Christian McCaffrey and Kyle Shanahan, have the opportunity to do the same thing together. Um, I don't know how many times that's ever happened in NFL history. I would imagine it hasn't ever. Um, but kind of a fun thing to keep in mind uh, moving forward. Uh, as we as we look into the Super Bowl week, it's hard. I'm going to hold my pick for now, uh, obviously, because we're going to talk about this uh, in more detail next week. Um, but when you read something like that, it's hard to pick against the 49ers. It's hard to pick against them. Um, and I I feel like there's a nationwide thing right now of. Um, anyone but the Chiefs. Anyone but the Chiefs, even though they've only won one of those Super Bowls. Like, I think they've been to what, four, you said? They've won two out of three. Two out of three. So 
This is their fourth Super Bowl in six years it, with it Patrick feel, Mahomes a quarterback. Yeah, four four out of six, two out of the last three. So it's it's hard to it's it's not hard to pick against the Kansas City Chiefs. I feel like if you're if you're a football fan, like you just want to see someone different there. Um I can't wait for this matchup. Cannot wait yeah. for this matchup. It will be great. You know, Kansas City's looking to pull off back to back. Super Bowl victories, which we haven't seen, uh, what, since the Patriots in the early 2000s? Yeah. I think that was, I'm trying to think, I don't know, maybe, did they win back-to-back in the 2010s? I can't remember how those Super Bowls stacked up um, in, uh, you know, when they had, like, the Rams and they beat the Seahawks. I don't think they they did back-to-back on any of those. So we're probably dating back 20 years since we've seen back-to-back Super Bowl champions, uh, which is a rare feat in and of itself. So Chiefs trying to make, you know, some history here with back-to-back Super Bowls. And also, I mean, it's kind of already a dynasty, but I mean, if they pull off another Super Bowl win, you know, three Super Bowls and four tries in the last six years, uh, I mean, we're talking about an all-time run in NFL history for a team that's also gone through some drastic change. I mean, Mahomes and Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey, they're all there, but a lot of this team is different than the team that was there in 2020 that, and the teams that have been there since. So the fact that they've been able to rehaul the roster, I saw this. Um, this is the first time that a team has gone to the Super Bowl while having the highest paid quarterback in the NFL on their payroll. No team has ever done that. Patrick Mahomes, the highest paid quarterback in the NFL right now uh, per year, taking up the most cap of any quarterback in the NFL. They're the first team to ever go to the Super Bowl with that guy on their roster. And that just I mean, that to me is an award for the for the GM and the front office for putting together a roster around a guy taking up that much of the cap space and still being able to put a competitive roster up there to get to the Super Bowl. Uh, I mean, it's. It's fa- it's a great matchup. Like you said, Mitch, it does feel like the best matchup. All of the other, you know, any iteration of those matchups would have been fantastic, but Niners Chiefs, I don't think it gets better than this. Should be a tight game, should be a good one, and I can't wait to get in-depth with it next week on our Super Bowl preview. Yes, I cannot wait at all. Dallin, just to, you know, ease your mind here, the last time we had a back-to-back Super Bowl winner, uh, 2000 and... 5 2004 New England Patriots. Okay. So Yeah, I was right. Good. Cuz I was like pretty sure that's the last time, but uh yeah, I mean we're looking at a early 2000s Patriot-esque run from the Kansas City Chiefs over the last 6 years. Uh extremely impressive. And the Niners for being one of the greatest franchises in NFL history, one of the most winningest, uh getting to a lot of Super Bowls. Yeah, they haven't won one since 2013. Uh, in that Harbaugh Bowl against the Baltimore Ravens and fell short against this same team four years ago. So certainly a lot on the line for San Francisco to sort of get over the hump seemingly, get that Super Bowl ring that they've been seeking after for the last decades. So, um, yeah, can't wait. It'll be a great matchup. Yeah, it'll be, a, it'll be a ton of fun. I can't wait to get into this more with you next week. Next week. Yes. Yeah, we'll look forward to it. So that's going to do it for the podcast today, folks. A shorter podcast. You know, we've been going two and a half 
uh, hours on these. We've had a lot to say, a lot to dig into with playoffs and whatnot, but a little bit shorter. And then you'll just want to tune in next week for the Super Bowl preview. Should be uh, a blast. I, I do want to make a note before we wrap up here. Um, let you guys in on our sort of plan moving forward. Um, as many of you may know, Mitch and I both had some pretty significant life things happening over the last few months. Mitch is engaged uh, to a wonderful woman. We're very excited for him and Kenzie. Uh, me and my wife are pregnant and uh, due to have our first child here at the end of April. Uh, and with that, we feel like it's a good time to just sort of take a bit of a hiatus uh, on the podcast and let sort of life be life right now and us handle our business uh, until we feel like we could be at a place to really give you guys our full attention uh, and really uh, dig into this podcast the way we want to. So the plan is for us to do our Super Bowl preview next week. We'll give you our Super Bowl reaction show the following week as we break down Super Bowl 58 and then uh, we'll take a bit of a pause. Um, we may come back for a little NFL draft stuff. We, uh, we may, you know, kind of can it for most of the summer till we get back into the NFL season. Uh, but we did want to just let you guys, the listeners know, because so many of you have been along with us for all 192 episodes that we've done. And we appreciate you listening for the past five and a half years. So we felt like communicating that was important. Uh, and we know that you'll understand, uh, with our circumstances, uh, that we got to do what we need to do, uh, yeah. important things happening for us. And, um, so it's not the sports hour going away. Uh, it may look very different. We may be more sporadic here over the next little bit. Uh, we hope you understand that. Um, and you know, we'll still be somewhat active on socials. We'll interact with you guys there. Uh, we do want you to, you know, do that and be a part of this still, but just recognize that podcast form of this, uh, may go away a bit, uh, after the, uh, post Super Bowl 58. Yeah. For you Gen Zers, this is how like TV worked in the nineties. <laughs> um, you didn't know what happened until we just came back. Like that's how it is. <laughs> uh, but no, we, we, we have some very, uh, important life and life changes that are coming up. Like Dallin mentioned, I'm engaged, uh, you have your down has his first little one on the way. Um, and so, you know, we, we so appreciate you guys sticking with us and we, we, we know that you guys will stick with us, uh, when we come back, um, after the super bowl, um, you know, as we get closer to the next NFL season. Um, but life is life and we're going to, we're going to enjoy our life. We're going to have our own little off season. So, yeah, um, but, you know, that's where we feel most comfortable uh, doing um, and we can't uh, wait to get back to you guys. But uh, we also can't wait for uh, our own little. Uh, our vacation away, our vacation yep. away to to be with our families, be with our loved ones. Um, this will be a, a, a good thing for everyone, I think, Dallin, um, that we uh, just kind of have our own little off season and, uh, and, you know, focus on our own personal lives. And you're, you're going to have some big changes here. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, I'll be busy raising, raising another human <laughs> down, yeah. raising another human. So yeah, I've got a son coming. I want to teach him to be a Panthers fan for God knows why. Uh, not because a, not 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 if Uncle Mo has something to say about cause, it. Because <laughs> misery loves company. So if I gotta be a miserable Panthers fan, he does too. Uh, but um, no, it's uh, it, it's it's all good things. And again, uh, it's not the going away of the Sports Hour podcast by any means, but it just will look different. And to be frank, we don't exactly know what that'll look like. Uh, but uh, yeah. you know, we, Mitch put it right. It's an off season for us so that we can come back uh, rested, strong, trained, ready to go for when this thing pops back off. Uh, so we can give you our all and our full attention. So, yeah, we will be right there with you guys as, yeah. as far as adjusting to this. So um, we, we appreciate you guys being there with us along the walk that we take um, in in this journey that we take, which is life. So, um, yes. we love you guys and appreciate you guys for being with us every step of the way. Absolutely. Ab- we really do. Uh, it means a lot. This is obviously fun for Mitch and I to do every week. This is, we enjoy talking to each other. That's why we started it, but it also means a lot for you guys to be a part of it, uh, to have your voices heard, to have you as a part of this, uh, podcast, because that's what it's always been about is us talking sports together as friends, but also having uh, a bit of a community to, to share their thoughts, to have a, a place where they could feel heard, uh, and identify with the kind of stuff we're talking about. So we appreciate you being along with us. We know you'll understand and just more incentive to listen to the next two weeks. Cause it might That's be right. the last you get for a little bit. Uh, so we'll go hard. <laughs> we'll give it our all, uh, for the super bowl preview and our super bowl reaction. Uh, and, uh, yeah, cannot wait for next week, Mitch, super Five bowl. Hour show next coming next week. <laughs> block. I'm going to tell my wife block out my schedule. I'm locking in. Uh, we wouldn't do that to you guys. Come on. No, no, uh, that might be that. too That's, much. Uh, sounds like torture to me. Actually. Yeah, honestly. Oh man. Well, again, thank you guys for listening to this episode. We appreciate you. Enjoy, uh, a week without real football. We got the pro bowl up, which is fun. Enjoy the pro bowl. Enjoy flag uh, football. Enjoy the, the skills challenges. Yeah. Enjoy it. Just have fun. You know, don't take it seriously because the Pro Bowl doesn't take itself seriously anymore. Gardner Minshew's a Pro Bowler, Mitch. I mean, come on. What are we doing? But I digress. Uh, <laughs> enjoy the weekend. And uh, we'll be back next week getting you ready for the Super Bowl. Uh, cannot wait. Yeah, no, cannot wait at all, Dallin, for uh, for Super Bowl preview. Uh, tons of stuff coming down the pike for us. So you're going to want to make sure to tune in to next week's episode. If you want to watch this episode or any episode that we've ever done, go ahead and start back from episode one when we sucked really bad and then go (laughs) ahead and work to number 192 when we still suck. Um, If you wanted to do that, you can get us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. You will just look up the Sports Hour, guys, and you will find us there. Get on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review. Tell us that we suck because, Dallin, that is the only way that we can get better. It is the only way that we could get better in, you know, five and a half years into this. Still trying to figure that out. So if you could help us out, yeah. uh, we, we would appreciate it. So uh, it's been a blast. We appreciate you hanging out. Uh, and until next time, we love you. We appreciate you. And we will catch you next week. So long, everyone. And a very pleasant good evening to you, wherever you may be. See ya.